This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. Welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. I'm your host, Miriam Marston, and I'm so glad you're able to tune in this week as I get a chance to speak with Father Chris Collins, who serves as Vice President for Mission at the University of St. Thomas. Father Chris is a priest of the Society of Jesus, and he has a new book coming out entitled Habits of Freedom, Five Ignatian Tools for Clearing Your Mind and Resting Daily in the Lord. And as you'll hear Father Chris explain, he wrote this book right in the thick of a pretty unsettled season, with the pandemic going on, and he had to move a number of times, and the culture around us was growing noisier and just more tense. But I think it's the kind of book that these moments call for, as many of us do feel as though we've been living on sand that keeps moving around. But this is also a good time then, my friends, to recall that story from Scripture about building our house on rock. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, we hear Jesus say, Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house. But it did not collapse. It had been set solidly on rock. And everyone who listens to these words of mine but does not act on them will be like a fool who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house, and it collapsed and was completely ruined. You know, it's worth noting that in both instances, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted. So Christ doesn't promise that the storms aren't coming but he does promise that he will provide a sturdy shelter so we are not swept away by the storms. During an apostolic visit to Poland, Pope Benedict XVI elaborated on this theme of building our lives on solid foundations. He told the audience, Building on the rock also means building on someone who was rejected. This rejection of Jesus by man extends throughout human history, even to our own time. One does not need great mental acuity to be aware of the many ways of rejecting Christ, even on our own doorstep. Often Jesus is ignored, he is mocked, and he is declared a king of the past, who is not for today and certainly not for tomorrow. If in the process of building the house of your life, you encounter those who scorn the foundation on which you are building, do not be discouraged. Dear friends, we cannot help but notice that the last word is a hopeful one. In his word, there is an extraordinary confidence in the strength of the foundation, a faith that does not fear contradictions because it is confirmed by the death and resurrection of Christ. The fear of failure can at times frustrate even the most beautiful dreams. It can paralyze the will, making one incapable of believing that it is really possible to build a house on the rock. 
it can convince one that the yearning for such a house is only a childish aspiration and not a plan for life. Together with Jesus, say to this fear, a house founded on the rock cannot collapse. Together with St. Peter, say to the temptation to doubt, he who believes in Christ will not be put to shame. You are all witnesses to hope, to that hope which is not afraid to build the house of one's own life, because it is certain that it can count on the foundation that will never crumble. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, that was Pope Benedict XVI, and and now please enjoy my conversation with Father Chris as he shares some of his own story and how he's learned the importance of keeping up daily conversations with the Lord and how these habits of spiritual friendship keep us focused on who we truly are and what we're truly made for. It's wonderful to be joined today by Father Chris Collins, who serves as Vice President for Mission at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. Father Chris, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's good to see you again. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for taking the time out of a, I'm sure what is a very busy schedule. So, you know, Father, let's dive in. You know, if you could, if you could please share with us how Christ was shared with you, uh, what were some of those key faith moments growing up and how did how did they help form the foundation for what you do today? Yeah, certainly I've grown up the youngest of six kids in a, in a Catholic family. I always felt a great sense of belonging and love, kind of the mascot sort of, because uh, I was a little bit younger than the other ones. So I, that's certainly the foundation I'm most grateful for. And then my grade school that I went to, St. Simon and Jude in Phoenix and Irish nuns who taught us were just the best and just a very warm uh, environment to, to grow up in. Then I went on to the Jesuit high schools, one in Phoenix, one in Dallas. So schools had a lot to do with it for me, okay. just the environment there, including on to college. Then, you know, things got, when I, when I just briefly, but between high school and college, I ended up for a variety of reasons doing this volunteer experience in, in Ecuador, um, in rural Ecuador, kind of a health project. It wasn't related to the church at all, but it was yeah. a kind of a humanitarian health deal. And uh, that just kind of threw me wide open, having that experience in a whole other culture and super simple lifestyle, no electricity, no running water, manual labor, simple relationships and and happiness that came in that context, too. So, you know, and then in hindsight, even though I, I don't know that I would have put that language to it at the time, being kind of laid open there and laid bare and experiencing joy, I'd say that was a very powerful experience of, of God's love for me and, and, uh, and the possibilities for the future too. Wow. Yeah. And walk us through that. How did that start to shape vocationally what was going on? Well, to be honest, I wasn't thinking at all about vocation. I was just looking forward to starting college. (laughs) Uh, But at the end of that summer, I was on the story I like to tell being on the beach with these other friends that had done this American friends and we're talking about things and what has just gone on. And, um, and now looking to the future, we're sitting on the beach and looking out at that horizon of the, of the ocean there, big ocean there, that Pacific ocean yeah. and just that infinite horizon. I remember. And then also I'm about to start college. Like I have no idea, like everything's kind of right. thrown up lit different values has been kind of thrown up for grabs and yeah. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life now. And but I felt excited, but also afraid. And remember just like bawling like a baby there on the beach, looking out at that horizon. And it just like in hindsight, that was a very great experience of, 
of um, kind of being in a vulnerable situation and knowing it's going to be great. I had a great, I had a sense that it's going to be great, whatever it is, yeah. but I have like literally no idea what it's going to be. And that was, I think in some ways that was kind of the beginning of, though I certainly didn't think it at the time, that was the beginning of maybe the way God started to call me perhaps uniquely into priesthood and to the Jesuits. Yeah. Where did you go to college, Father Chris? I went to, I did one year at Catholic U in DC, and then I transferred to St. Thomas, actually, where I work now oh, uh, in Minnesota. Cool. It's a family school. My dad and uncles and my sister went here, cousins, so a uh, whole part of the country. And that that became a great formative experience for me, too, in college. Oh, wonderful. And is it at this time, then, that the Jesuits are coming across your radar, or how did that happen? No, I'd gone to two different Jesuit high schools, one in Phoenix and one in Dallas. So I, I knew them, you know, they would come over for dinner and I admired them. It never occurred to me to join them. Uh, but later in college, um, my faith started to kick in for a variety of reasons, the intellectual life, the continuing those, those kind of service experiences and immersion yeah. experiences, then starting to go to daily mass. I'd see people coming out of the chapel during the day like in the middle of the week and thinking I wonder what they're doing there on a Tuesday you know like yeah who does that I didn't know people went to <laughs> church during the week you know yeah. but I started going to that little quiet mass in the lower yeah. chapel and all these different things the prayer the service the intellectual life and people that I was surrounded with because of all those things you know gradually I did not know it but I think I, in hindsight it looked kind of clear what was happening <laughs> like God yeah. was me in this direction, but I did not realize what was happening until later. So now, and and you know, you're right, Father. So I think often it is kind of that gradual process. Was there a definitive moment you're like, okay, I gotta gotta go out on a limb here and take this next step? There was, in fact, and it was at a bowling alley in Winona, Minnesota, on a Friday night. My okay. cousin was visiting. I was teaching high school down there. I went to that was my first job out of college, teaching religion in the Catholic high school there. So we were at the bar at the bowling alley on Friday night and my cousin who was visiting that we, we grew up together. And as I recall the conversation, she kind of said out of the blue, why don't you just be a Jesuit? You're just like them and you want to do what they do. And, yeah. you know, I thought I was pretty content at the time doing the teaching and everything, sure. but something about like that moment, what, what she said, it was like clear as a bell. That's what God wants me to do. And then, and then I panicked because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I kind of freaked out for a little while, uh, but it, it was very clear all of a sudden. There's, so there's both the gradualism. And then for me in that moment, there was also a real clarity too. Then I went and made a retreat with a Jesuit who had okay. taught me and he calmed me down and taught me how to pray and settled down. And that was it. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And then uh, since then, your what kind of assignments have you had? Have they been in a parish? Have they been in a, at a school? What Walk us through that. My first assignment was as a pastor on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. Okay. So I had four little country parishes on the res there. Okay. It was a tr very powerful kind of introduction to the priesthood in those in that setting yeah. and then I went back to Boston for more theology studies for several years and then then I got a job teaching theology at St. Louis U and then I then I got more into administration the last several years at, at SLU and now I'm at another university, St. Thomas, doing similar kind of work, mission and identity work here. Got it. Okay and you've been yeah. there for I think you said you've been there about a year now in Minnesota. Correct yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. moved for about a year. Got here, moved to Minnesota in January. Why wouldn't a person do that? <laughs> <laughs> Building up the character, hopefully. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Right here. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Father Chris Collins, who serves as Vice President for Mission at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. Father, I know you're, you, you've done some writing as well, and I wanted to touch on this. You, you, have, a, you have a book coming out, um, I think in a couple of months in, in April. Um, walk us through this latest project and where it could kind of meet people with where they're at these days. Yeah, it's basically, it's kind of funny the way this worked out. I, I had done an earlier book called Three Moments of the Day with Aubrey Murray Press several years ago yeah. about praying the morning offering and the exam at the end of the day and living the Eucharist, those three moments. And then they asked if I would do another book. And I, at the time, I was just super busy. And I said, there's no way I could do it. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I ended up writing this book. And it's basically about... Uh, discernment of spirits and the context of writing it was literally the shutdown um, uh, in the early stages of the pandemic that was very unsettled. I actually wrote it back at Boston College. I was on sabbatical back there for the okay. fall. A lot of the writing was at um, there during the fall semester. And so the basic idea is uh, it's okay I was in a very unsettled place, just like the whole world was at that time. Right. The disruption that just happens in life, you know, it happened for all of us, obviously, but everybody's got those moments of things being shaky and uh, unstable. And I think that's a, that's actually a good place to be when <laughs> to let the grace of God in. So embracing those moments of, of things being unsettled is kind of the starting point. Okay. Um, and then Bishop Barron talks about, I think, being displaced and how the grace of God can really be powerful in those moments. And then it's like, okay, well, who am I in the midst of this shaky situation that, that I'm in at any given time in life? And really opening up to the, really the, the mystery of who we are as beloved daughters and sons of God, and really kind of a little extended meditation in there on Jesus's own baptism. Okay. And you know, before he begins his mission, it starts with, you are my beloved son, and you are well pleased. And then everything flows from that. Well, that's not just for Jesus. That's, of course, for us as well, right? Yeah. Um, so I spent a little little time on chapter on that. And then another chapter on, well, that's the truth of who I am, beloved, no matter what, even whether I'm succeeding or failing or whatever, God still sees me as beloved, but then what, what's the nature of the temptations that come in to undermine that? So kind of an extended meditation on Jesus's uh, temptation in the desert, how the evil one tries to, to drive a wedge to confuse that reality that he's the beloved son. Yeah. We're always fighting those temptations too, believing lies about ourselves in different ways and getting confused and off track and caved in on ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and then, then another little chapter on how important it is to just keep chatting with the Lord on a real modest, ordinary ways during the day. Like keep talking stuff out, keep talking stuff out about what's going on, wherever I'm feeling confusion or whatever, uh, yeah. talking things out with good friends too. Cause when you say things out loud, for one thing, the lies that we have been believing, they don't sound right anymore. Huh. <laughs> There's something mysterious about dialogue. I think that, um, especially dialogue with the Lord. Um, and we get clarity only in the context of dialogue, not just thinking things to ourselves. You know? right. And then finally, like 
it's also important to just act <laughs> and to live <clears throat> and to, excuse me and to to do things to get out of yourself and live in the world and engage other people and that's where that's and then sometimes that leads us into another unsettled situation <laughs> and then it's kind of back at the beginning you know so okay. so there's prayer there's thoughtfulness but there's also just living and acting and because god god can engage us especially in those moments when we're when we're kind of put out there when we don't have a, a safety net too yeah yeah uh, thanks for that and you know i have the title of the book right here so it's habits of freedom five ignatian tools for clearing your mind and resting daily in the lord i got that right that's it i think that's right yeah, yeah and there's a lot in that title and i know that it would speak to a lot of people's hearts because our minds are maybe not so clear these days and perhaps we are not resting so much in the Lord. Maybe racing around is a better description of how a lot of us might feel. Um, what are some of the things are in the air, in the environment that are kind of making, making these daily habits a little more difficult, Father Chris? Yeah. And I will acknowledge, I mean, for myself too, to be honest, it was hard to write this book. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a very pretty title, you know, like resting in the Lord and <laughs> finding freedom. And, but I was totally upended as well. You know, I was, I also moved seven times during COVID. <laughs> for oh my goodness. Sabbatical. And we cleared out of a Jesuit community that needed to be safe because there were elderly Jesuits there and moved. Oh couple of times once I got to Minnesota. So, and to try to write about that, it, it was, it's challenging. So I just want to acknowledge it. it yeah. This isn't just like uh, the expert talking about these things. Cause I don't think, I don't think I was living this very well in the midst of it, but it was helpful to try to put some thoughts on paper at least. Yeah. But I think even aside from the, from the pandemic instability, but you know, I'd say what, what hinders us from really, um, knowing who we are and living out of who we truly are in that simplicity mm -hmm. of, of being beloved of God. The, we talk about this all the time, but the just massive amount of division and, and yeah. hostility and divisiveness and falling into camps constantly mm -hmm. about everything, politics, race, church, ideologies, masks, you know, vaccine, right, I mean, right. every step of the way, there's something about this culture that we're in that is just kind of tries to force that division and mm. force to choose sides on all kinds of different things and then yeah. demonize the other and be defensive in ourselves. And boy, it's just inhuman. Exhausting. It's, it's exhausting <laughs> and it's inhuman. And that's cooperating with the devil, really. That's cooperating with the evil one when we yeah. when we let those divisions. Uh, be so strong and so I think the I mean actually to sim simplify it again it really is that story in the gospels of the simplicity of Jesus being in the river and opening yeah. up and being told who he is you're my beloved and then the complexity that the evil one tries to introduce in setting up different kind of divisions and mm -hmm. trying to trick Jesus into proving that he's the beloved son or make the father prove it or you know, it's those attempts to divide and to um, and to separate are constantly there. They're they're very palpably right now. So we yeah. we just, it is really incumbent upon us to be simple. I think <laughs> that's let's mm -hmm. get simple. Let's get simple in our prayer and let the Lord just tell me who I am as a child. 
let's be simple in our human interactions with each other. You know, let's maybe let some of these big ideological battles just like <laughs> and abstractions. I think that's another big problem mm. is the way we, these big divides end up very, very abstract <laughs> and yeah. clear cut and good guys, bad guys. And that's just not, I think, resonant with being human. <laughs> like yeah. the, we, we change when we get, even with people that we disagree with, mm-hmm. it's really important that we try to find places where we can be face to face with people and see each other as human beings and have the vulnerability to, to share and to listen and, even if it's a little bit of an awkward conversation, it's okay. We can be more, we're we're way more civil with each other when we're face to face. We're way more human. We're way more, um, you know, uh, following that path that God has for us if we're willing to do that. But these, these uh, ideological and abstraction impulses are just, I think, deadly. And that, that spirit of division will work against the mission of evangelization. You know, and if we want to be good evangelizers, if we want to do our part to share the gospel, well, it's hard to do if like things are all kind of fractured and 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 broken. So to be able to be these instruments of unity in the world will, I think, will go a long way to to be the evangelizers that we're called to that we're called to be. You know, we've we've got a few minutes left, Father Chris, and you know, as I'm listening, I love this theme of simplicity. If, if there's someone who's listening who wants to embark on these in these daily habits of simplicity, where might they start? Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for even just, you know, in that kind of Ignatian way of praying that imaginative way of seeing that Jordan river in your mind's eye, spending a little time and just imagine what the whole setting is like. And there's Jesus in there and John the Baptist and whoever else is in the river, but then Jesus calls you by name and just imagine him calling you by name into that river and maybe you're reluctant to go in there. Maybe you're eager to go in, whatever it is, just let him call you in and get shoulder to shoulder with him and let him show you how to just descend under that water and let everything go. Let everything empty out. Whatever it is that you're angry about or fearful of or resentful of or whatever you have shame for, uh, or also you're, all your talents and your successes and things that you want people to see about you, let that go down river too. the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it, let it go down river. When you got nothing left, when you're just emptied out and you come up out of that water with Jesus by your side and let the father tell you, just as he says to Jesus, you, you've got nothing to show for yourself right now. And what I say to you is you are my beloved daughter and in you I'm well-pleased you are my beloved son and you are well pleased. Honestly, I think that's the kind of a contemplation that we could do the rest of our lives very fruitfully. So yeah, keep coming back to the simplicity of who am I and, and let God tell me who I am. Don't think about it to myself. Right. <laughs> that's the key, right. you know? Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is when I talked about dialogue before, here's one real concrete thing that's I think pretty helpful when you are crabby or ornery or feeling small hearted during the day, I bet you're talking to yourself about Mm. something. You might, you're probably berating yourself about something or you're muttering about other people and judging them. (laughs) You're either judging yourself or you're judging them in a harsh way. 
And one thing you could do is say out loud to Jesus on the fly exactly what the judgment is that you're making. Hmm. <laughs> Even when it's like really kind of mean and nasty. <laughs> and and don't clean it up or don't make it nicer for Jesus. Tell him exactly the kind of toxic thought that's in your head. Yeah. Get it out. Say it out loud. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds, it sounds, it really does. It sounds absurd when we say these things, these judgments to Jesus. Right. And it has a way of just like breaking the power of that toxicity, you know, and just getting freedom for a little bit, even for a moment there to laugh at yourself for these crazy thoughts of hostility that you've got in your head, you know, let those judgments kind of fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> and, and get the full perspective, you know, only when you're talking to Jesus can you get the full perspective on things. I love that. And it's just, and in the midst of that, remembering not just our identity, but remembering that the people that were, that might come to mind in these moments, that they're sons and daughters of God as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you say stuff like, Jesus, we should get rid of that person or (laughs) that group of people, or they're ruining everything and we ought to just do them in. Don't you think Jesus? It just sounds it kind of does, silly. like yeah. you know, and it just has a way of like lifting the yeah. toxicity there too. That I think is great because yeah, we are reminded that when we're talking to Jesus about somebody else, well, Jesus calls that person his beloved too. So, um, oh, Father Chris, I'm I'm really grateful for your time today. I just I want to ask that God continue to bless you and your priesthood and all the people that you serve. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be with you. In good Ignatian style, Father Chris brings up the power of imaginative prayer more than once. In particular, he asks us to imaginatively step into the scene of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. It is here, as we heard Father Chris point out, that we see powerfully how we're given our new identity as a son or daughter of God. And my guest makes this point very clear. We must let God tell us who we are. And as far as evangelization is concerned, we have to know who we are before we set out on mission. We see this in the gospel as Jesus is baptized and his identity as the Son of God is publicly revealed, and then he begins his ministry. You know, if you've been baptized, I would invite you to go back sometime this week and look over the baptismal promises. Say aloud the renewal of those promises. Remember who you are in Christ. And the grace of that memory will help shape the beautiful mission that has been entrusted to you. In speaking of the grace of memory, I want to close with the words of another Jesuit, Pope Francis, as he says, Prayer for me is always a prayer full of memory, of recollection, even the memory of my own history or what the Lord has done in his church or in a particular parish. And I ask myself, what have I done for Christ? What am I doing for Christ? What should I do for Christ? Above all, I also know that the Lord remembers me. I can forget about Him, but I know that He never, ever forgets me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston. I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to blaze a trail of faith here in the Pacific Northwest. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, 
Visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon.